We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. Hello and welcome to a special mini-sode of Yield Crime, the show where Maddie and I discuss the funny, strange, and obscure crimes of yesteryear every Wednesday. This special bi-weekly segment is called Can You Crack the Cramp Word, which is slang for a difficult or obscure term, which I thought was very fitting. And joining me today is Brenda from the Horrifying History Podcast. And before we begin, I'd like to give her the opportunity to tell us a little more about herself and her show before we get started. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Uh, well, Horrifying History is the podcast where science, history, and the supernatural collides. We basically take us a topic and look at all sides of it. For example, if it's, say, a haunting, we look at the history to see if it's even possible. We look at the documentation to see what that can tell us. And at the end, we don't tell you what to think. We leave it up to you to decide what's real and what's not. We're on any major podcast provider, or we also are on YouTube. We have a YouTube channel, the same name. Nice. So growing up, what drew you to the paranormal and like (laughs) pseudo true crime as well? Yeah. Well, that's actually kind of funny because my mom, when I was little and before I went to school, my mom would bring me to my grandma's while she would go grocery shopping so she could go without me being her hair. And when I'd be there, my grandma would always say, oh, Brenda, why don't you go read my newspapers? Well, her newspapers was the National Enquirer, the (laughs) World News. (laughs) So I 100% blame my grandma for getting me hooked onto the the dark side of history and the supernatural because when I'm three, I was reading about, you know, Elvis living as a dairy farmer somewhere in Minnesota because he was kidnapped by aliens. So it's all her fault. We'll just put it on that. <laughs> Bat Boy's various wanderings. and Yeah. I love that thing. I was like, what? There's a Bat Boy living in my backyard. <laughs> Apparently, and I am... Sad to say that I have not seen it, but apparently there is a musical about Bat Boy that came out in Minneapolis. I think it was a couple years ago. And I'm going to check and see if they're going to bring it back because I want to experience it for myself. I think I have to experience that. Like Bat Boy the musical? Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) I know. Just like hearing about it, I was like, I'm glad somebody did that. That makes me happy that somebody did that. There should be more (laughs) of that, actually. I know. (laughs) As you mentioned, you cover a variety of topics on your podcast. So what draws you to a particular case or story? Well, I found at the beginning of our podcast, basically all uh, what uh, what our episodes are about is things that I just always wanted to know more about, or I've been interested in or heard about. But as we time pass, people have been sending us some great topics. And as soon as I get into looking into them, of course, you just fall down that rabbit hole. Yep. So, <laughs> and I can honestly say I'll have these weird ideas at the weirdest moments. Like for example, I get a lot of them when I go on a bike ride. So whenever I get like hit a writing block or something like that, I'm just like going for a bike ride come back have the episode written in my head and keep on going from there so honestly it's just stuff I'm interested in along that vein is there a specific unsolved true crime or paranormal case that you would love to see solved well there's actually two (laughs) and they have very similar names 
I would love to see the Jack the Ripper case actually solved. There has been so much speculation about that for so long. Mm -hmm. And and to even know that there is even DNA that's been tested, but still it's a little iffy. I would love to see that solved. And the other one is named similarly, and it happened in the 60s, actually in London, and they named it Jack the Stripper as an ode to Jack the Ripper. But he was, again, a serial killer that it was never solved. And the thing is, they kind of have a very good idea who did it, but he died and there's no way to prove either it, who, whether he did it or not. The interesting thing about that, it would definitely have been solved if they used geographic profiling in that case, because if they actually looked at G, or the, the geo profiling, they would have gone right to that guy. He was hmm. he, it, it just direct line to that guy. So those are the two biggies I would love to see solved just because of, again, Jack the Ripper. And I love the name Jack the Stripper. I think that's mm-hmm. kind of a really good good name for a killer, I guess. Yeah. It definitely grabs your attention. That's for sure. Absolutely. What was I going to say? Oh, have you read The Five about the no. five canonical victims of Jack the Ripper? I have not read the whole book yet. <laughs> I finished reading that when I was going to visit some friends in Erie recently and it was really good i was very impressed by how well done it was so i highly Mm -hmm. recommend you finish it i have to i got so many i'm one of those that have bookmarks and five things at once yeah same same (laughs) i have that whatever the specific disease is called where you have more books that you haven't read than ones that you have read Oh, I'm in in that category too. I'm a huge book reader. And with my husband being formerly in the military, we moved a lot. So of course he's like, get rid of books. I'm like, no, not my babies. So how, how he convinced me to go flip to the dark side is that's when I bought my first iPad. And he goes, you could have millions and millions of books on here. I'm like, Hmm. So I just keep my collectibles. I do have an actual book collection and I have also my favorites. Those are the only hard copies I keep. Everything else is, you know, on the iPad. Darn him and his logic. I know. <laughs> I I bought myself an old one of the earlier versions of a Kindle because mm-hmm. there was some really great deal for it on eBay or something where it was like in the box for like 15 bucks, something like that. And I was like, wow. I can't, I can't blink at that. Like, I want it. And yeah, I have like a really a lot of books on my Kindle. And (laughs) it's kind of embarrassing how many I have on my Kindle. But it's the same thing because then it's like I can read it anywhere. I just have Mm -hmm. this little thing and I don't have to worry about it. Oh, it took him like a year to convince me because I'm like, but it's the paper. It's the experience of feeling the Mm -hmm. paper, the smell of an old book. And he's like, that's ridiculous. You know, you could probably put thousands and thousands on this. And then one day he came home with an iPad and he's like, just, just do it. Just do it. And it was still hard for me to separate from a lot of my books. It was, Mm -hmm. but now I have room in my house. So that works out. That's true. I might have to pare down my collection and go digital with some of the ones that I know I'm going to read again. Mm -hmm. It's hard. There's something about a physical book. It's just, it's, it's just, you can't beat it. Mm Mm-mm. It's the tactile nature of it. There's just something Mm -hmm. about flipping the pages, being able to mark the end of a chapter and knowing how far you have to go to finish the chapter. And you can't do that on a Kindle or an iPad. Well, technically, you can flip to the end and read the ending really quick, but that's no fun. (laughs) (laughs) You could spoil it for yourself real easily, but yeah. That's actually funny that you mentioned that because one of my friends, she just started watching Dexter and you know, Dexter, they have the books too, the series. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I said to her, well, you know, I can send you the series to start reading. So she texted me today and said, I'm now on season five. You are right. This doesn't ever dip. 
And and that was what I was saying about Dexter is the series and the books. You know, a lot of them kind of go up and down sort of mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Not Dexter. It is it is consistently on a high. And I said, so she's not a big reader though. And she's like, I got to read the books. I got to read the books. <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah, it's worse than the books. Yeah, I can only imagine with the books. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you like weird, spooky, and strange history then I have the podcast for you. My name is Brenda, and I'm the host of Horrifying History. Are you into the dark side of history? Horrifying History tells you about the side of history that people don't normally talk about. We tell the tales of haunted places, infamous true crimes, the paranormal and unsolved mysteries, and then we look to history to see where the truth actually lies. Want to get spooky with us? Get your horrifying history fix by subscribing today on your favorite podcast provider or by going to our website at horrifyinghistory.podbean.com. Well, I don't have any more questions, so if you're ready, we can get to the slang term portion of the interview. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-oh. I might be dead in the water. We'll see. So your first term is doxes. So D-O-X-E-S. Doxes. <laughs> the, word, the worst thing is I've heard that before. Mm-hmm. And it's bugging me because I don't know where. Ugh. You have to give me the answer. Can I call a friend? <laughs> it was a popular term in like London, if that helps. I, uh, and that's why it's bugging me. I know I've read about it. I am not sure it's going to be okay. something silly. Doxes is Victorian slang for harlots. Oh, that explains where I when I was doing all my Jack the Ripper research why I found that out. <laughs> mhm. Yep. And so why did they call them doxes? I don't know. Cuz it makes me think of like, dash hounds, right? So, I have no idea why that is. Maybe they were just calling our dogs harlots. Hmm. Maybe. Let's see. Doxes. Well, the meaning of docs is to publish the private personal information of another mm-hmm. person or reveal the identity. So maybe doxes was like revealing the hidden part of, of what they're doing. Yeah. Hmm. Like their alter egos almost like maybe. Hmm. I don't know. Because all the rest of them are like about documents and stuff. And I'm like, that's not really what. That doesn't make much sense. No. We actually had an event happen with doxing here, the the current modern version. Yes. When they had the last election. Oh. And yeah, it actually got kind of bad and people had to be removed from their homes for safety. Happened oh, to a couple different politicians. Yeah. Yikes. Mm-hmm. That's always terrifying. That's why I'm always like really afraid about what kind of stuff I put out on the internet. Oh, me too. Um, Not me that too. I'm afraid someone's going to like attack me personally but you never know you know you never know and there is that case that happened recently in the states where a podcaster a female podcaster was killed so i've been very cognizant of my footprint Mm -hmm. even beforehand because i used to work for an investigation section oh and believe it or not i was under an experience because of who i worked for i was actually they had to put a restraining order out against a guy for 27 of us, and I'm, I'm not going to get into details about it because I can't, but because of who I was connected to. And 
luckily for me, I was like the least hit because my social media already was locked right down. Mm -hmm. So that way only my friends and that can see. But here's what people need to know about LinkedIn. (laughs) <laughs> mm. they can they can get through to you by LinkedIn but the thing people don't know about LinkedIn is you can't anonymously message somebody it goes from profile to profile so yep. you know exactly who's looking at your stuff so mm-hmm. needless to say after that incident yeah my social media is locked right down for a reason and I do post some pictures of my face but again it is I make sure it's situational that is more of a necessity than not if that makes mm-hmm. sense Yep. Because again, they're, you don't know what people are going to do. Which is unfortunate, but I mean. It's sad. It's the world we live in. Yep. You do what you have to do to keep yourself safe. Absolutely. All right. Your second term. Oh, gosh. Is Jemmy. So J-E-M-M-Y. Jemmy. <laughs> that one I've never heard. Now, if I were to imagine Jemmy. That maybe they they got a gift from somebody that has a gem on it, or maybe they are just like making jam in a kitchen and they got all jemmy on their hands. But I'm going with them probably totally wrong. So jemmy, according to slang, is a crowbar. I wonder if that came from Jimmy. Yep, that's what it looks like. It looks like it came from Jimmy to kind of... Jimmy it open. Pry something open, yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. That makes sense, though. Mm -hmm. Way better than what I said. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I would like to thank Brenda for joining me today for Can You Crack the Cramp Word? And before we go, can you tell our listeners where they can find you on social media and when new episodes of your podcast come out? Well, we release our episodes every Wednesday. And you can find us on any major podcast provider or on our YouTube channel, like I said before. But you also can find us on Facebook by searching for Horrifying History, Instagram at Horrifying underscore History, and Twitter at Horrifying H-I-S-T-1. Nice. And on that note, as always, I'm Lindsay, and I'll see you next time with another tale as old as crime.